0: hi and welcome to the lone star play podcast where we sit eat chat and repeat i'm your host patrick scott armstrong and we are coming to you from austin texas the lone star play podcast is produced by texas real food go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for local restaurants stores butchers farmers markets and more we're using organic fresh artisanal and local sources it's a fun site that brings all natural options all together
1: This is the other thing I figured out doing sports years ago. I I always say this, which offends some people, I guess. I mean, if Jesus came back and decided to to fill in and and run for president in November, he'd only get 64% of the vote, if that. Right? And he's the perfect man, isn't he? I mean, isn't he the perfect man? You know? And 36% of the people, and especially among many of those who profess to be Christians, 36% of the people, nah, I think I want the other guy. You have to understand, I just I just started uh, texting about a month and a half ago. Uh, <laughs> I just started emailing about a year ago, and I just got rid of my flip phone about a year ago. So uh, I'm a little uh, bit behind the uh, technology
2: curve
0: here. <laughs> well, the flip phone's uh, making a comeback, I think. Yeah, I see so that. You might be, might be good I there. I of my time. Yeah. You you're ahead of your time. Uh, my mother's never emailed or she's never used Google before. She doesn't even know any of that stuff. So, you know, yeah. that's fine with me. Um, <laughs> well, Dale, again, thank you so much for joining me. Um, you know, we'll just jump right into this. I have a bunch okay. of questions from you. Um, I actually grew up in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I've known you my whole life. Um, I went to, um, Colleyville Heritage High School is where I graduated from oh, okay. um, in 1998. So, but I, you know, I went to school in Texas my whole life. I've known you. I've seen, been watching you my whole life. This is just like a dream come true for me, to be honest with you. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, uh, I mean, it's just crazy. Um, you know, my brother and I both, uh, my father, uh, rest in peace, we would all just, you know, watch you um, growing up. So, how, how long have you been in Dallas at WFAA? How long has that been? At,
1: at, at WFAA, I'm, um, I'm uh, about 37 years and two months. Wow. Uh, it, it'll be 40 years in August. Um, uh, the middle of, I came to Dallas uh, in August of um, uh, 1980. So I've been on Dallas TV for uh, 49 years, and then uh, 37 years and two months, I've been at Channel 8, WFAA.
0: Wow, wow, that is, and there's no sign of slowing down. You're only getting more popular
1: well, it, it, you know, I, I thought I would have been retired a long time ago. And uh, <laughs> uh, now I don't, I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. But, I mean, uh, in, in this world that we live in now, uh, that's not really my call as much as it used to be, maybe. Um, but, yeah, I mean, things uh, – you know, I've kind of morphed into uh, to a different level of, of uh, covering sports and uh, the commentaries that I do on social issues and the like um it's kind of given me a whole new um uh, a whole new support group out there in many ways and and a whole new hate group along with it of course Uh, (laughs) which which actually i kind of enjoy um so no i um I, i don't plan on retiring uh anytime soon anyway
0: we don't want that i'll be honest with you right now um i can tell you that uh we do not want that we need you especially now more than ever um you know your your social commentary just on everything that's that that happens um a lot of people look to it I I just I know that personally um that a lot of people look to it they there's you know they feel supported by it, they share it um and what I love most about it is that they're short and sweet and just to the point and easy to digest um and I just love it and especially in a place like Dallas um I'm liberal myself and growing up in Texas it, it just wasn't honestly it wasn't something I was expecting you to start saying to be frank with well- you
1: I think that's been part of the um, uh, part of the appeal uh, nationwide, certainly. I mean, um, I've been writing commentaries uh, for actually quite a while, but um, uh, the first one that really, really went viral—I guess you call it—or national was the uh, Michael Sam commentary uh, about six years ago when he came out uh, while he was a football player at, at Missouri, and and I think that's been the overriding theme that I think has led to. Uh, uh, the interest, if you will, uh, of a lot of these commentaries, is that if a guy like you even, you know, uh, big, thick, black hair, you know, flat belly, all that kind of good stuff. Um, and, and if you had said many of the same things that I say, uh, I don't think it would have resonated quite as much because as almost every, almost every email I got um, from the Michael Sam commentary, from people around the country, around the world, actually, But they almost always began with, "I couldn't believe that an old white guy in Dallas, Texas, (laughs) was going to be saying some of the things that you say." I mean, people, I was prepared to kick in my computer screen, and I was, (laughs) I was going to fly to Dallas and march and protest, you know.
2: Oh uh, gosh. uh,
1: So I, I think that's that's part of it, and I do think. I mean, it kind of fits the format for me, but it's also. what I think does work, you know, they're about two minutes long. Usually. Um, I wrote one a couple of years ago that was about four and a half minutes long and I got ridiculed for it in many ways. And I think a good editor probably would have taken that back to about two and a half and, and it'd been a better piece. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I try to keep them about two minutes. I do write, I don't think I write anything spectacularly, uh, um, deep or, or, um, you know, poetic or something. I I think I have a simplicity to my writing style that just kind of resonates with people. At least I hope it does. And um, um, as I've said many times, if it wasn't for WFAA giving me the opportunity to write the commentaries, then I think I would have retired because uh, as arrogant as this might be, I, my life just had to be something more than ball scores and highlights. I mean, I had to do something more than just ball scores and highlights. And uh, and if that's all I was allowed to do, then I think I probably would've walked away a long time ago. Um, I wow. still like ball scores and highlights, sure, uh, but I don't like them nearly as much as I do a good commentary that I know is gonna respond uh, or are or gonna resonate with people and, and uh, make them talk and make them think.
0: Well, uh, you know, it's difficult to ignore the social commentary that exists in sports today. It's not just what sports maybe, you know, when I grew up in the 80s and even early 90s, it wasn't the same. These things weren't really talked about. It's just part of life now and it's part of sports. So I think you making that pivot and, uh, you know, I think it's uh, absolutely wonderful. Um, Again, it it does resonate with people and it is something that, um, you know, it it makes an impact. It it really does.
1: yeah, I, I mean, I've always said, uh, and I think I'm right about this, I mean, sports is, is in so many ways just a metaphor for life. Yeah. Um, almost, almost everything that, that, and I use this, I've used this story a million times over the years, but, uh, you know, my dad took me to the ball field when I was baseball field when I was four years old and, and basically said to me then, we're going to start teaching you everything you need to know about life and you're going to learn it on this baseball field. And it's true, whether it's you know competition, whether it's sportsmanship, whether it's fair play, whether it's being part of a team, uh, whether it's working for the betterment of the uh, of the uh, company as compared to the individual, you know yeah. whatever it is, you you can you can always find the lesson uh, in the games that we play, um, and then the fact that sports has become, and I think in many cases, has become uh, too big of a of an issue in our society. Um, you know, where major universities, you know, cheat to win football games, um, when people overlook the transgressions of a professional athletes, because they are professional athletes, then I think the pendulum has swung too far. But at the same time, it's that lesson of life, because, you know, I, I always talk about how athletes get this special treatment. Well, pretty much all rich people get special treatment. You know. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's a problem in society sure. that, that, as we're seeing now with, with all the protests after the George Floyd killing in Minnesota, you know, if, if George Floyd played fullback for the Dallas Cowboys that, or the Minnesota Vikings, that would have never happened to him. It would have yeah. never happened to him. Um, I mean, athletes get treated differently, as do privileged people in our society which is just another thread you can kind of pull on to say, hey, let's talk about this in a sports context, but then let's bring it over to how it impacts the lives that we're all trying to lead. And I think for the most part, I've been able to do that. And, uh, uh, and it's fun for me, quite frankly. I mean, it's, it's and there's just really no, no fancier word to put on it, no better way to describe it. When I sit down and write something that I really like, it's just, it's just fun. I mean, it's, it's literally fun to write this piece, read it to my friends, see their reaction, read it on the air, and read the reactions, whether positive or negative. Um, I enjoy the heck out of it. I just flat enjoy it, and it's, it's a fun thing to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, getting that feedback—it's what you know, what thrives, artists. You you sound like an artist, uh, talking about like being at a concert or a show. You know, just feeding off that energy, uh, which is great. Um, I'm curious if you've received any backlash from, uh, from WFAA, like for for going out of the maybe out of your lane, if you will. I hate to put it that way, but has there been any sort of backlash that?
1: No, the 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 closest that would ever be, um. uh, the backlash, as you say, has never really been about uh, anything that I've written about the social issues, um, but but several years ago, um, there was a story uh, involving Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, and a, a, a kid in a bar had secretly recorded him. I don't remember this or not, but um, a, a guy had secretly recorded the conversation, and Jerry was just being Jerry and just saying some incredibly outlandish things. Um, nothing in particular but i mean uh, just just again he was drunk and he was being Jimmy
0: yeah John. yeah
1: and i had to sell the audio tape and nobody wanted it and it wasn't a big story and and in fact uh different radio stations had said well we're not even interested it's just you know we don't know what it is whatever so anyway uh, a, a local radio station decided to air the uh, the audio then our station Wanted me to run the story, and I refused to do it. And um, for a couple of reasons, I mean, one, it, it, there wasn't any news value to it at all. Yeah. Uh, two, I mean, we really don't know. Has the date, has the date been doctored? I mean, we, I mean, I'm pretty sure it hadn't been, quite frankly, but we don't know. So, in the argument about me refusing to air that particular story, uh, the news director said. Well, why don't you just write one of your famous commentaries about how wrong we are to Eric? And I'm like, really? He goes, Yeah, go ahead. You go, we're gonna do the story without you. We'll have one of our other reporters do it. And then you write one of your famous commentaries about how wrong we are. And as a friend of mine who worked there at the time named Billy Sons said to me, do they have a clue what they're in for? You know? (laughs) Excuse (laughs) me, oops, my phone's ringing here. Hold on a second. Let me kill this, I thought I killed it. Another example (laughs) of my technology problem. Um, But anyway, I said, uh, so I I basically said, uh, you know, WFAA does things right 95, 98% of the time in my opinion, but this is a horrible decision. This was an absolutely horrible decision because it was simply a story that was titillating. And, you know, I mean, TMZ, I think would have been all over it, but we're
2: not sure. Yeah.
1: And the response to it was incredible, except uh, from management at channel (laughs) eight.
0: Hey, but they told you to do it.
1: Well, yeah. No, I mean, and all they did was the general manager just, one of my favorite people I've ever worked for in my life, a guy named Mike Devlin, was the general manager of the station. And he walked in, and I knew he was upset. I knew he was angry. But he just kind of did the dance around my desk, you know, he just <laughs> We were talking about everything, and he just, he just didn't want to bring it up for whatever reason. So as he's leaving, like the idiot that I am sometimes, um, I, I said to him, what, nothing about the commentary? And, oh, my gosh, he spun on a dime. <laughs> I said, you better be really happy that you work for a station that allows you to say that kind of stuff. And I said, I am. I've never, I've never doubted that. And, um, uh, but I mean, they didn't, they didn't kill the commentary. They, yeah. Uh, they didn't, you know, reprimand me in any fa- because again, as you said, Patrick, they, they told me to do it. Number yeah. one. Yeah. I think the news director might have gotten in a little trouble from, <laughs> from uh, corporate sure. as to why they said that. But but here's a favorite thing that has always ticked me off about this. So I mean, I got letters from news directors, from sports anchors, uh, uh, other station managers around the country, uh, saying how much they love the commentary because I do think our business, uh, and I and I use a big umbrella when I talk about our business, but we really have slipped into the gutter too many times. Uh, that we look for that titillating expose that serves no real purpose. And, and I go to the extreme of, uh, you know, John Kennedy uh, used used to hang out with more women than Bill Clinton uh, and Donald Trump ever thought about, but we didn't know that. And I don't think that really hurt me much. I liked it better under John Kennedy uh, <laughs> than I did Bill Clinton and Donald Trump. Um, so I, I take that same Philosophy to sports. That, as I said to Jerry Jones, and Jerry Jones complimented before just last year, as a matter of fact, unless it impacts your professional life and has a direct impact on the team that you're responsible for, I'm, I'm not interested. And I've said this forever the stories that I know about players and athletes and owners and all these different groups, some of the things they've done. I'd have been interviewed nationwide a thousand times, but I don't do it. I don't do it um, for a lot of reasons, but that being the main reason. Having said all that, Mike Golick went on ESPN, his radio morning radio show, and he said, this guy in Dallas doesn't understand. He just doesn't understand. He said, you have to give the audience what they want. And it's not up to Dale Hanson to decide what he's going to give his audience, because he has an obligation to give them what they want. And I sent him a very nice email. I said, then why don't you give me (laughs) news headlines? Why don't you give me the weather forecast? Why don't you give me the stock market report? Instead, you sit there for four hours and you talk about nothing but sports. You don't mention one single news story. You don't mention anything about the weather. You don't mention anything about the stock market because you decide that your audience is going to get this and this only. And if they don't like it, they could turn the dial, right? So why am I not doing exactly the same thing you're doing? I tell my audience that if you want titillating stories about Jerry Jones being drunk in a bar, turn the dial, go someplace else. I've been doing that for 40 years. How did it work out? I mean, I I, I had people years ago when when the Stars, the hockey team, first came to town, and I wasn't covering them very much. And people were like, well, if you don't – you know, you never give hockey enough coverage. I want more hockey coverage. And I actually said to the guy, why don't you go to Channel 5? I said, they cover the hell out of hockey. I said, you ought to go to (laughs) Channel 5. He actually called the general manager and said, hey, I called Hanson, and he told me to turn the dial and go to Channel 5. Kathy Clements was her name at the time. She called me and said, you actually told him to watch Channel 5? I said, well, if he wants, if he wants hockey, if he wants hockey, he's going to have to go someplace else because I'm not covering hockey. You know? uh, <laughs> so as I said, the, the funniest thing to me was Nate Newton said one time, and this is, they quoted this in, in, in a newspaper story. He said, we love Hanson because he knows about our drugging, he knows about our horn and our drink, but he never reports <laughs> on it. And I said, Well, Nate, um, I, I appreciate the thought, but I'm not exactly <laughs> sure that helps me very much. You know? <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm sure that's the best compliment I've ever had. <laughs> oh. At the same oh. time, last year at training camp, Jerry Jones called me into his office. And, and he and I butted heads pretty good off and on over the years. But I think there's a mutual respect there uh, from, from each one of us. That, that is why we have the relationship we do. And he calls me in. He said, you know, he said, I, I've been meaning to tell you this for several years. You told me in 1989 when I bought this team that my personal life was private and that you would never report on my personal life unless it impacted my professional life. I.E., you know, as I said to him one time, he, he was with a gal or something. He said." and he said, you're going to report on this. I said, well, unless you trade Troy Aikman to prove to her how much power you got. No, I probably won't. You know? <laughs> I said, you trade Troy Aikman, I'm going to bust you. I'm going to bust yeah. you. And, um, and he actually said, he goes, he said, you walk the, the talk. He said, you have never wavered on that in our what 30 plus years. And I said, no, I said, I, I know a lot of stories that, um, you know, somebody probably, I'm sure many people would have reported. Sure. Um, but I, I just don't, I just, I, I just don't. And, uh, uh and, and that's a long way of getting back to your original question. In all seriousness, um, that's the only time that, uh, uh Channel A has ever said, Hey, you know, don't ever do that yeah. again. And, and, uh, that's as close I should say, um, there was one commentary that i wrote about a little league baseball commissioner which was a really horrible thing that i wrote and and they didn't kill it but they wanted me to come in and rework it but i had time to cool off and i said no it's stupid i mean um they said no no we're not killing the commentary if you want to do the commentary but you, you, you've gone too far and oh without question i had it was uh, It was just a a stupid little league fight involving my grandson, (laughs) and I wrote this scathing piece. It was just stupid, and uh, and they saved me from myself. Uh, That's good. But even then, even then, they called me back and said, "Hey, the general manager called me back and said, Dale, I'm serious. If you want to do this commentary, fine. But this man's not a public figure. We need to clean up some of it." And I said, "Well, yeah. No, we need to burn the entire commentary because it was just." Just me venting uh, out of control. Having said all that, I don't, I don't think for a moment that they agree with everything I say. Um, but I, I just have the greatest respect, and I've been so incredibly lucky, to work for a company that um, that allows me to do what I do. Because I doubt very seriously they agree with everything.
0: I think that's great, though. I mean, I think that's great. I, I, think, I, mean, I, think, that's great. I think that from a, from a fan perspective, right, of watching the news and, and whatnot, I think that says a lot about... Um, the company and letting you, oh. they may not agree with you, but they let you, you know, say that. So I think that's great.
1: I, I think it says a great deal about the company. Ed Barnes, yeah. is a critic here in town. He's retired now. but He wrote one time that if you enjoy Hanson, enjoy him now because there won't ever be another one. Not meaning for a moment that somebody can't do what I do because there's a, a bunch of people who can write and do what I do. His position was that once I do retire, that, that WFAA and, and the Tech the Corporation would never want someone like me again. I don't think that's true, um, but I know for a fact it's true for stations around the country,
2: yeah. Uh, and, well, that's I, and I'm a little
1: bit concerned that there might be some truth to that, but I doubt it. I mean, um. Um, uh, it's like I've always said. When people say, "Well, you know, just, just shut up and give the ball scores," just shut up and yeah. give the highlights. I, I grew up reading the newspapers, listening to radio, whatever. If you're a sports fan, especially if you're a sports fan, when you pick up the newspaper, the first thing I always did for years was go to the sports page, and the first thing I did when I went to the sports page was go to the columns. You know, yeah, I'm not interested. Did in reading a recap of the ball game. I mean, I, I pretty much know how the ball game came out. But I wanted to hear what Randy Galloway said about it. I wanted to hear what Blackie Sherrod had to say about it, what Skip Bayless had to say, what Frank Luxa had to say, you know, Kevin Sherrod whatever. You read the opinion pieces. And all of sports is an opinion. So there's kind of my starting point. That You know, if the Cowboys beat Washington, was it because the Cowboys played great or because Washington was horrible? Yeah. Well, if you read the Dallas Morning News, the Cowboys played great. If you read the Washington Post, Washington played horrible. <laughs> My dog's are on the attack. But, Chris, grab these guys. What do you do when you've got two objective newspapers, high journalistic standards, and one of them says that the Cowboys' offensive line was incredible. And the defensive line was even better, putting pressure on the Washington quarterback. And then you read this very objective report in the Washington Post, and it says the Cowboys uh, – or the Washington defense couldn't tackle anybody, and the offensive line couldn't block anybody. Well, it's somewhere in between there. You know, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> the, the actual truth is somewhere in between. and. I think I figured that out a long time ago. So it kind of led to me doing what people consider to be this opinionated sports cast. And I'm always like, well, everything's an opinion in sports. Everything. Sure. An well, sure. what the heck?
0: Well, again, like you said, it opened you up to brand new support and also hate. Uh, but with, you know, with popularity that that's just bound to come. People, I think the people that tell you just give the sports scores, they're basically just telling you, I didn't like what you said.
1: Oh, it's exactly that's all right.
0: That, that's I mean, all. that's all it is. If they liked what you said, they would wouldn't even say anything about it. They would praise you like I'm doing, um, well, yeah.
1: which no, you that, know. That's, I, I've had, that as I've always said, if I had a nickel. Uh, for every time somebody said to me, "I'm never ever watching you again," <laughs> Atlanta, you probably couldn't do uh, this hookup that we're doing right now, because I'd be on my private island down in the Caribbean with no <laughs> Wi-Fi. Um, I would have retired and bought my own island and hit golf balls into the ocean. And, uh, um, it, it's just part of the deal. I mean, and then the flip side of it is that I also say, and this goes back to that argument about, well, I do what I do, and the audience will decide and And if and when the audience did decide that, well, we're not interested in that, well, then either I would have had to change or or Channel Eight would have had to change me. Um, because, as I say to all the critics that that write, if I do eliminate the commentaries, which which a lot of people do appreciate that I do, what do I say to them? You know, i I don't do any more commentaries. I'm sorry because, Larry and DeSoto didn't want me to do any more, <laughs> uh, you know. So I've got old Larry now, but I've lost yeah. Bob and Martha and, and yeah. you know, the thousands and thousands. So, what I do is just like I said, I, hey, turn, turn the dial, you know. I mean, and not always, but then it, Larry's I,
0: gonna keep watching that, anyway, that, right? You too, Patrick.
1: This woman writes me, I, I, I did this commentary a, a, a month or so ago about whatever, and, and she just writes me, well, she is so mad she can't, I mean, it's just the benefit of just jumping <laughs> off my computer. And she goes, I quit watching you years ago. But last night you really crossed the line when you said, you know, and I'm like, what? So I write her back because I answer every email. And I said, I'm just curious, since you stopped watching me 15 years ago,
2: <laughs>
1: how did you, how did you find out that I said that? Well, I was on my way to the bedroom, and my husband, for some stupid reason, watches you all the time. I said, oh, oh, okay. let me see if I get this straight. So your husband watches me, kind of like a a Democrat, Republican household, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So your husband watches me. You never watch, and you just happen to walk past the TV (laughs) on your way to bed as I just happened to say that one particular line out of a thirty-minute window for Channel Eight News, yeah, I'm, I, I have no doubt that's exactly how it happened. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, it's just—I mean, think of the timing there, you know? Yeah. And, but um, well, I, mean, I get that a lot. You know, I get that a lot. And um, they're
0: just angry, I, I mean, right? They're just—it's just emotions. It, yeah.
1: I mean, it just you know—you're exactly right. I mean, people don't want me to stop doing commentaries. They just want me to stop doing commentaries they don't agree with.
0: Exactly. You know, exactly. If,
1: if I do a commentary, that they absolutely agree with. Now my I'm dogs. The best <laughs> sportscaster in the history of television. Yeah. But since I do a lot of commentaries that a lot of people don't agree with, well, then they think I should just shut up and and you know and do the ball score. I mean, it's like what, what's her name, uh, Laura uh, Ingram or something, the the woman yeah. on Fox. Yeah. And, and she said about LeBron James, you know, like just shut up and dribble.
0: Yes, you know? I remember that.
1: You're, you're just a basketball player. Shut up and dribble. You know, but then she has all kinds of people on there giving opinions. And,
0: Absolutely.
1: Well, oh, so now, now, when you have an athlete or you have someone spinning your nonsense that you agree with, well, that, that's fine. That's fine. And then they hold that up like, well, you know, not everybody believes what LeBron James believes. Here, we've got this other guy, and he says this. Well, how about this? How about that guy just shutting up and dripping? You know? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and it's just, it's just it's laugh out loud funny to me how 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 people don't see that. You know, I mean, I, I, I watch a lot of television and I watch a lot of the uh, uh, all sides, as we say, um, just trying to kind of figure out what what their thinking is. You know,
0: me too. And,
1: and I've never once written a letter to somebody and said, "Hey, why don't you just shut up."
0: Yeah, you know? me neither. Never.
1: I mean, I just, you know, I, I, I listen to it and I think it's the most outrageously stupid thing I've ever heard. But I don't fire off a letter to Laura Ingram or Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh or whatever. Like, hey, you you know, shut up. You know, I mean,
2: yeah.
0: Hey, <laughs> yeah.
1: They're, I think they're incredibly stupid, but, um, you know, I'm not going to worry about
0: it. Yeah, I think in that sense, it's just, again, she doesn't like what he said. If he would have said, something that she was all for she would have put him on the show oh uh, absolutely. you know yeah yeah,
1: yeah. And, and paraded him around as the voice of wisdom you know, yeah
0: the, exactly
1: yeah no i mean that's why i've always said especially with fox I, do they not have any producers do they not have somebody like in their ear going hey by the way you just said something incredibly stupid right there you know uh, <laughs> Oh, by the way, one my favorite is, don't, don't they have anybody that ever says, oh, by the way, Sean, you know, you realize you just contradicted what you said two weeks ago? I mean, don't they have somebody in their office that says, you know, Sean, you, you said this about Obama and you said this about Trump. And, oh, by the way, you can't have both sides of that argument. And, uh, you know, and, you, and you're trying to, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm trying to figure out what kind of, I mean, they make money. I'm not denying that. They, they make a lot of money. That's I,
2: true.
1: I'd have trouble shaving in the morning doing what they do. You know, uh, uh, I, I just, I don't know how they do it. I, I honestly don't. As I always say to people, because especially when I wrote the Michael Sam commentary, I actually had people write me, several people, and say, I, I know for a fact that you don't believe any of that nonsense, but you're very good at writing as to what will rile up the audience. Um, and, and I'm like, well, I, I hate to break this to you, but I've never written anything that I don't believe. I mean, I've, some people to this day still argue that with me, but they'll say, well, you're, you're, your station wanted you to say that. That's, really? You think the station thought the best thing for me to do was to criticize Trump for criticizing Colin Kaepernick for kneeling? Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah,
0: exactly.
1: I, that was a good thing for me to do in Texas? You know, the easy way out would have been said hey stand up and honor that flag right yes yeah and and i tell i thought i might have gone too far with that commentary back in uh, what was that 16 17 somewhere
0: i don't think so it was amazing
1: i i well lebron james liked it and i thought okay now i'm in good in good company but um i I love that commentary as soon as i wrote it um the news director calls and said, do you have your cell phone? Because uh, my cell phone never leaves my car. And she calls me and said, do you have your cell phone in your car? And I said, yes. And I said, okay, well, um, Dave Lugie wants to call you after the show. And I'm like, well, won't this be fun? And uh, Dave Lucci is the, like the president of Degna News or something. So, you know, oh, I'm, gosh. <laughs> yeah, he's, and I'm thinking... And this was relatively early on when Tegna had just bought, um, had just bought the station. So I didn't really know him that well at all. Yeah. It was obviously, but. And so I get into my car and I look down the phone rings and it's like from Virginia. And I thought, well, it's been a good run. I mean, it's a... <laughs> and, um, and, and Dave just was like, that was incredible. I mean, it was incredible. And, uh, Wow, I I I'm just glad you worked for us, you know. Wow, I mean it was it was I really thought because um, I made a couple of jokes, um, uh, you know, at, at Trump's expense and and uh, uh, and again simply defending the right to kneel uh, in Texas was was not. Um, at that time, especially not an overly popular position, you might
0: say. Not at all. Not in Texas. It, I, yeah. I agree.
1: But uh, but again, I I think. Um, but at the, at the to me, the bottom line was: well, I absolutely believed it. Nobody nobody told me to write it. Nobody encouraged me to take this particular position. I I would never do that. Yeah, I, I tell you. Well, the one thing I, I do hate, and again, it depends on the intent. I, I I don't get nearly as upset about words and phrases the way maybe I should. Um, uh, I, I'm more interested in the intent. But I, I think I had this explained to me the other day, and I think it makes perfect sense. All lives matter. I get it. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to blast somebody and start screaming at them. But I do think it's insensitive because it's like they it's like this. They talk about. There's four houses on a street. Well, obviously all houses matter, but that house is on fire. That house is on fire. And black lives are on fire. So if you're standing there and the fire department pulls up and they say, well, we've got to go fix this house. And then the people next door go, no, 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 all houses matter. All houses matter. And they say, well, yeah, your house does matter, but this one's on fire. Or the same analogy. I kind of like it. You know, you go into the emergency room and you're in there and you cut your hand, and then the next guy comes in, and you know, he sprained his ankle, and then the third guy comes in and he's got a broken leg with the bone sticking through the thigh. Well, all injuries matter, but this guy's bone is sticking through his leg. We have to address that. And I think at least that's what I take from Black Lives Matter. And I think the reason people get so upset. When someone says all lives matter, which I mean, when you think about it on the surface, all lives matter is a rather innocuous statement. But it is taken certainly as, oh, so you're refusing to acknowledge that black lives are in danger here. Black lives are in trouble here. Black lives need to be respected more than they are right now. So that when someone comes along and says all lives matter, Uh, it, it then gets interpreted as you're dismissing the argument that black lives matter. Sometimes they are. I mean, without question. Sometimes when people say all lives matter, they are dismissing the legitimate concerns of the black community. At the same time, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're stupid. Sometimes they're just ignorant. Ignorance is a better word than stupid, by the way. They're just ignorant about the, the issues in play here. And they don't quite understand that, yes, all lives do matter, but the house is on fire. The absolute house is on fire. I said this when we had the police, the, uh, the, the woman who shot both of Jean uh, in the apartment, the, the police officer off duty. And I said on the air, under no circumstances would she shoot me. She would have never shot me. I'm 6'4". I'm a very large, fat guy. I'm bigger than both of Gene. But I just don't think, I don't have a doubt in my mind. And nobody, I mean, people were upset about it, but people, no one really disputed that she opened up that door for whatever reason, saw a black man standing in the apartment and fired. I don't think for a moment she would have done that if it was me. That's what Black Lives Matter means to me. And if, if someone then tends to trivialize that position by saying all lives matter, we get stuck in this who said what, when, why, and where. I, I, I wish, I understand why people want to get hung up on these, on these different phrases and these different words but I, I do wish people would spend more time worrying about the intent, worrying about the purpose other than, uh, because I just, I just know a lot of old people uh, that were raised a certain way, and I'm not gonna go back, for example, I, I wrote a commentary, you might remember, a couple of years ago, um, my dad used the N-word like it was a proper noun, because his grandparents, his, my grandparents used the N-word, I mean, that, that's that's, I, I don't know how you, but that's what they knew. That's what they did. I'm not going to go back a hundred years and say, hey, they they were a victim of their environment. Let's try to figure out the real intent of how they lived their lives, um, and, and then maybe we can kind of work our way through some of this. But I, I think if we get if we get too caught up in 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 you know all these different companies are changing labels on. I mean, Aunt Jemima's got to go, and Uncle Ben's got to go. I don't think anybody's arguing about that. But I mean, are, are we going to get to the point where toothpaste can no longer be can whiten your teeth? I mean, I mean there is no toothpaste that can whiten my teeth. But I mean, um, it, it's. I mean, it, it, is that bad? I mean, is you know, uh, there was a cosmetics company that said they were going to stop using the term uh, fair skin and uh, why, I'm like, really? I mean, well, again, we all are victims of our environment. But I just know for a fact that, that when you start using those kind of arguments, there's an element of, of my conservative friends, my white conservative friends, who just throw their hands up like, oh, shut up, shut up. And then Chris Rock comes along and uses the N-word, it's, we all laugh and say, well, now how can he get it? Let's let's worry about what Chris Rock does or doesn't do. Let's worry about the master bedroom later. Let's help these other guys understand what what systemic racism really does do. The impact that systemic racism and police brutality really does have on black lives in America. Let's kind of move the master bedroom back to another day. Now, if if I was a person, as I've said this with a friend of mine, if I was a person of color, would I then say, okay, we'll get to it next year? No, I probably wouldn't. But then I also wouldn't be 71 years old at this point either. I mean, I I, I think I'd have been marching in the streets and doing whatever I felt was going to advance the cause a long time ago. I'm trying to be somewhat pragmatic about it. My granddaughter is black. She's 25 years old. And I tell her all the time, baby, this world is not nearly as good as it should be, not even close, but it's a hell of a lot better than the world I lived in when I was 25 years old. And it's way better than the world that your grandparents lived in, or my grandparents lived in when they were 25 years old. Now, Does that make everybody happy? No. But I think we're going to have trouble moving the cause forward if we're arguing about what we call the bedroom. I think we're going to have trouble moving the cause forward if we argue about what Chris Rock does or can or cannot say in a stand-up comedy in New York City. There's just bigger issues in play here. Uh, and we have to figure out a way to identify that, and take our victories where we can. And as I like to say all the time, I, th- I stumbled across this phrase somewhere recently. I just love it. Let, let, let's let's pick the hill we want to die on rather carefully. And I think that's where we're making a mistake right now. That um, I think the opportunity, I think the opportunity is there for some incredible advancement. I, I really do. And I, I didn't think that after the George Floyd uh, killing. because The commentary that I wrote after the George Floyd killing is that, okay, great. let's all get up in arms, let's all march in the streets, let's all scream and yell about how bad this is, and then uh, two weeks, let's, let's move on to something else. Now, I'm not saying let's move on, but I really did believe that, okay, we'll give this about two weeks, much like we've given almost every other murder uh, of a black person in America. It has about a 14-day run. And then we find out that Trump said something on Twitter, or uh, the Democrats did something to, uh, you know, pay welfare people too much money, or whatever we're arguing about. And George Floyd will be forgotten, and the it's like the gun shootings is a better example. I mean, look at what we say after every single mass shooting in America. This is the one we're going to fix this now, and we've never done anything. We haven't done anything. And yet I think and I, and I hope that maybe this one is different. Maybe this time, but then you look what happened in Congress. You know, uh, Jake Tapper was arguing with Dick Durbin, the senator from Illinois the other day. You know, the Democrats shot down the Republican uh, reform bill, which because it didn't go far enough. And now the Republicans are in the process of shooting down the Democrats' bill because it goes too far. And Jake Tapper's argument to Dick Durbin was, well, yes, this bill doesn't go as far as you want it to, but isn't something better than nothing? And I think the reality is, and again, if I was a person of color, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't want to hear it. But I think the reality is we used to live in a world where something is better than nothing, And we keep lurching forward step by step by step. Because if you now decide, no, it's either all or nothing, well, then I think you're going to find out you're going to get nothing a lot of the time. And I really do. I think if you, I mean, it's the same same way I do a contract negotiation. They have never once paid me as much money as I wish they would. You know? But I like to think that they probably paid me more sometimes than they wanted to. Right. If if your position is, I have to have everything. And again, I'm on the side of, I think they're entitled to much of it. I really, I mean, I really, really am. But there is this pragmatist inside me, this little gnawing person that says, we're not going to get that right now. We're just not. It's not right, but we're just not going to get that. So let's take this, and at least as it pertains to the uh, police reform bill, I think there's a very real possibility that we're gonna come out of this with nothing, just like we have every mass shooting in America for the last 30, 40 years. And uh, uh, I'm hoping, I mean, cause there's, this has gone on longer than I thought it would have. Uh, there seems to be some legitimate legitimate interest on both sides to, to fix the problems and i think by uh, by november 5th we'll know if we fixed them or not I, i'm in favor I'm, I'm pretty sure from what i've read I, i'm pretty much in favor with with almost everything that the democratic house is proposing I, I, but i'll tell you one that's kind of funny and it kind of goes back to my intent argument you know about banning the chokehold now, i've got a a, a brother-in-law uh, who's a police officer or retired now? But I think his, you know, if you're saying you can't use the police hold, so this guy is in a real struggle. I mean, he's in a life or death struggle. Can he use the chokehold now? And it's kind of this argument I go back to. I don't care about the chokehold, I care about the intent. I, you follow me? The difference, I, I don't think you eliminate the chokehold. Well, yeah, we have to eliminate the chokehold. When you've got the man down on the street in handcuffs and four cops are standing there, I, who disagrees with that? But if you say we eliminate the choke, I think you should eliminate the chokehold if you're trying to arrest Eric Garner for selling cigarettes on a street corner. How how do you go? How do you go from arresting a guy? Well, why are you arresting the guy for selling cigarettes? But the guy's selling cigarettes on a street corner, and it escalates to such a point that he ends up. Dead, the death penalty. So I think at some point you should say to a police officer, "In in my world, now my brother-in-law would violently, I'm sure, disagree with this, but it's like the it's like the chase. You know, like, do you really want to chase a guy through downtown Dallas at 100 miles an hour during the rush hour because he ran a red light? No, let him go. I mean, we'll either find him later by his license plate, or or the guy got away." Well, then the police always say, well, then, you know, it might be a mass murderer with bodies in the truck. Well, yeah, it might be. I mean, people get hurt. Innocent civilians get in car wrecks and get, have been run over and like, from stupid police chases. That's the kind of change that I wanna see. You know, it's, it's not a, it shouldn't be a death penalty for wearing a hoodie at night. It should not be a a, a death penalty uh, for for drugs, for example. I mean, there's a reason our courts have said, we're not going to kill you for that, you know. Um, But I go back to the intent. I mean, are we really at a point in our society where we mistrust the police so much that Using a chokehold, they can't tell the difference between using a chokehold or, or even choking a, a George Floyd as compared to, you're, you're trying to arrest this guy and he knocks your gun away and he's got a gun and, and your best defense is to get him in a chokehold? Um, I think that that makes no sense to me, you know? So let's find the compromise. But instead, we're at a point where no, the Republicans think, this ought to be okay. So consequently, the Democrats don't. And then the Democrats say, oh, no, no, we got to have this. And consequently, the Republicans don't. That's why I do think, while I am impressed with the protesters, and I am impressed that they've kept the argument going as long as they have, because it is about four weeks past where I thought that the cutoff date would have hit by now. Uh, but I still think there's the very real possibility this is going to end up just like Sandy Hook. We're all going to be upset. It's going to be just like the shooting in Florida. It's going to be like the, the, the nightclubs, the, the, the Vegas shootings, whatever. Oh, my gosh! automatic rifles, AK-47s. We can't you know, it. Oh, no. We, nothing. Nothing. And the greatest country in the world just doesn't have the ability to figure out why we lead the world in mass shootings. I mean, it's just obscene. It's obscene to me. And I think that's the path that we're probably going to end up going down now because nobody wants to compromise anymore. I mean, I'm a big fan of the story of when, when Ronald Reagan was president and Tip O'Neill was the House Speaker from Massachusetts. And they'd fight and scream and argue all day long and then they'd get done. They'd go, get time for a drink. You know, you want to stay for dinner? You know, you're not going to get every... I mean, I, I really am that guy that that I tend to want everything. I I, I don't deny that. I, I want I want everything. But the reality is as I've unfortunately, as I also say, this is this is seriously, Patrick, one of the hardest things that I deal with about being 71 years old is I believe so strongly that my generation was going to change the world in 1966 when I came out of high school that my generation was just going to eliminate all the the, the discrimination, the racial biases, the religious biases, the the wars in countries that you can't find on a map. We weren't going to do that anymore. We were going to fix all of that. And 54 years later, we're still killing kids in wars that we can't find on a map. We still have people being discriminated against because of the color of their skin or the religion they choose to follow or no religion at all. And we've got people all over America sleeping on the streets and going to bed hungry at night because my generation failed. My generation, at least we failed because of the naivete we had of what we thought we could accomplish in 1866. But then I back up a little bit and I go, well, yeah, yeah. I failed. My generation failed. This is, this is not the world that I thought my generation would build. And then I back up and I go, yeah, but in 1966, we did this, we did that. We had this problem, we did that. So in many ways, not 2020, you understand. I mean, this is the worst year of my life. But, but in so many ways, the world is better. America is better I should say in 2020 than it was in 1966 but it's it's um it's not the world that it should be so I tell that little granddaughter of mine it's your turn you know drag it forward let's keep dragging it forward now again that's that's not the answer that a lot of people want to hear uh, and I'm sure some people will be even angry that I even suggest such a thing, um, but I do think we're going to have to figure out a way to live with one another and compromise with one another. And if we can't do that, then then I think we're in a we're in a horrible place. We might not recover from. It. I mean, I I think it's I think it's entirely possible that we might be in a place that we cannot recover from if we can't figure out that I'm not going to get everything I want. Because I, I think, especially right now, I think, you know, whether, whether it's like gay rights, you know, I mean, you, you think about this. People still use the N-word, for example, but who does it publicly? I mean, it wasn't that long ago where people used it publicly and like, yeah, okay I should have said that. Good luck with that now. I mean, I mean, think about uh, gay rights, uh, the, the, the homophobic slurs that people used to use in mixed company, right? Yeah, some people still do that, but who does it publicly? Who owns up to it publicly? I mean, they lose their jobs, they they lose their careers now. Now, that's not the end all be all, but, but I promise you, it, it hasn't been very long ago when if if you said the N-word in certain settings, nothing happened. Nobody really like. Nah, you know. I mean, some people were upset. Some people didn't care. Now, I'm trying to think. The last time I heard it, I mean, it's been a long. I, I remember the. I, I remember hearing it one time where a guy said it. He was drunk at a card game, and he said it. And before, and I always speak up. And before I could even say anything, the entire table was like, "Hey, hey, hey!" and and man he crawled into a a ball i mean he was embarrassed and ashamed and humiliated you don't hear anybody using the slurs against gays that they used to so commonly use in the 60s 70s even you know and uh you know again. it does that mean that all the problems of, of of gays in America have been solved because nobody calls them names to their face anymore? Well, no, not exactly. But it's a start. Oh, it's better than where it was. And let's not let's not get. It's just like that. The, the they get bogged down, with, I'm still trying to figure out. You're
2: younger. I'm maybe you. Know, but what's what's this argument about pronouns all of a sudden? What am I missing here? You know. Uh, I, And again, I, I I respect that. I mean, I, I do I respect that. But now I sit there and I start.
1: I I, I wrote a piece a, a couple of years ago about Mac Beggs, you know, the transgender uh, high school wrestler. Um, and I'm a big supporter, and I've met his mom, and she's very calm, you know. And now I'm going to go. Well, now I think, well, did I use all the right pronouns? <laughs> you know, and uh, let's say I, I I do use the wrong pronoun, or I I, I make some mistake about not not appreciating that particular element of their lives i'm not talking i'm talking blacks or talking mexican whatever the the case is immigrants you know coming across uh the border whatever and i use something well i'll give you i'll give you a better example we did a high school football game and i think this is a classic example we did i've been i've been so far left on the liberal scale of almost every argument for the past 50 years And I wrote a commentary recently about the wall. And my argument was, basically the commentary was, what what would Jesus do? If somebody came walking to the Rio Grande and they said, we want to escape the drug cartels, we want to escape escape the the poverty, we want to escape the the homelessness, we want to escape the dangers, the lack of schooling, the lack of health care, and we want to come to America and we want to work and we want to be productive and we want to provide our children a better life, what would Jesus do? And as I also said, I, I, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't think, first thing we gotta do is build a wall. I, I, just, I just don't think, I mean, and granted, as I understand it, he could build that wall in a snap of his fingers, right? Yeah, but boom, now you got, I, I just don't think Jesus would build a wall. And it always offends me when religious people Self-proclaimed religious people say, I want to build a wall. I mean, that makes, it makes no sense to me. So I'm broadcasting a high school football game, and it was the team from El Paso where they, right after they had the, the, the shooting at the Walmart. Yeah, and um, they're, playing, uh, they're playing Plano. Well, number one, as the mayor from El Paso said, I, I played a pretty big role. Plano canceled the game, so I wrote a commentary that night. And I said, you can't cancel the game. I mean, that's just stupid. You know, just because some guy from Plano High School years and years ago shot up a Walmart, I mean, I mean it's, it's almost like the old argument of, well, the terrorists win. I mean, you know, so anyway, I do this commentary. That this, is, this is an opportunity to come together. And instead, the Plano School Board decided they want to cancel the whole game. I do the commentary. The next day, they reverse their position. Now, I'm not saying that I played that big a role in it, but other people did, and I'm not objecting to that, right? <laughs> so we do the game. The kids, from, the kids from El Paso come up, they play at, at uh, Jerry Jones' uh, 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 stadium at the Frisco Star. We televised the game on Channel A. It was, it was just a magnificent game. And I just love the way these kids play. Well, I've also been a non-apologist from the get-go about no pass, no play. I'm a huge believer in no pass, no play. So I'm watching these kids on both teams, just, I mean, their offenses are so fast and they play at such a clip and they do so many great things. And then I said, which I've said at every banquet for 35 years, there's just no reason these kids can't get a 70 in biology when they can play football at such a high level, which I have said forever, and I said, "Look at them!" I said, "I said, look at the way kids play." Now, I'm in my mind, I'm talking about all the kids in Texas, and I said, "These kids speak a foreign language," which, to me, is. And, and Mike Leslie was doing the paper play. For play he goes, you mean football language? I said, yeah, football is a foreign language. Foxfire to the white tango side to the X, you know, Zoom, you know, whatever. So I said, yeah, of course. What, what do you think I thought? It never occurred to me. A lot of the kids speak Spanish on the, on the El Paso team. The listeners in El Paso, who don't know Dale Hanson apparently that well, went ballistic, saying, and, and, and again, if you just take that couple of sentences and parse it right there, it sounded horrible. I admit, it sounded horrible. I made the mistake of assuming that, well, people know me, I've been doing, I've been saying this for 35 years. So I get a call from the, the radio station in El Paso, and this woman's like, um, people down here are going nuts. And I'm like, about what, what? And then she tells me, well, she called her husband, cause she didn't know me at all. And her husband said, well, before you get too carried away, why don't you Google Dale Hansen and see what he says about the wall? See what he says about almost anything in America today. Well, once she did that, then she realized. And then I went on the air and I just said, "Hey, I'm, I'm really sorry. It was, it was horribly stated to an audience who doesn't know me without the context of what I'm talking about in a bigger picture." And I think it's a classic example, though, that. So many people just immediately jumped to he's got to be a racist. He's got to be anti, anti-immigrant, anti anti-Mexican, you know, whatever. I'm like, don't you even allow for the fact that maybe something's being taken out of context here? Maybe, maybe the guy just misspoke, which I, I, I tell you this again. I've used those exact lines in the proper setting a thousand times and I get a standing ovation from parents and educators because I just think no pass, no play makes perfect sense to me. And it never occurred to me, believe it or not, that, Oh, some of those kids speak Spanish and I use the term foreign language. And and then we immediately clarified it, that I'm speaking football, and even after we clarified it, they were still upset with me, and and that's where I think we're at right now. I, I think liberals, especially, uh, spend a lot of time, a lot of time, sitting around thinking about what can, what can I find that upsets me, what can I find that offends me, you know, and and they give liberals a bad name. They give liberals like me a bad name that. I mean, Bill Maher talks about this a lot, that, that you know, there's that, that snowflake element of you have to be just pure. You have to be, everything has to be exactly the way I think it should be. And anything outside that is unacceptable. And I, I, I just refuse to live that way. I mean, I, one of my very best friends is, is, I mean, he thinks Fox News is a little bit too liberal. I mean, he's crazy. And he's crazy. He just, oh, he just worships at the, uh, at the shrine of Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh. And and, he, and he's one of my very best friends. One of my absolute very best friends. And we'll just sit there and we'll debate and argue and laugh. And then he tries to point out to you. And, and now I've, I've changed him, believe it or not. I've changed him on a few things over the years. Not very many, but some. But the most important thing is, we've been playing, or we used to, I don't play anymore, but we played golf together for 20-plus years. We drink our wine, we smoke our cigars, he comes to my house, I go to his house. If I was in trouble right this moment, he'd probably be the first guy I would call. If I needed money, he'd give it to me. If I needed him to drop everything and come drive and pick me up, he would do it. And we are 180 degrees apart. And every time I would write one of my commentaries, if he didn't see it, he would call. I go, oh my God, said, what'd you do now? My phone's blowing up, you know. And, and they just sit there and he goes, and, and he said, it, he goes, they all call him. He said, man, can't you get him under control? I said, your buddy Hanson is just nuts. And Bruce always just said, oh, he's nuts, but he's got a big heart. He's got a big heart, you know. And, uh, and I say the same thing about him. So I go back to, the intent. What is because he's a victim of his environment and he says things that he believes to be true, and some of them are offensive. Some of them do cross over on occasion. That's, that's perceived as being offensive. But in my heart, I just I, I know he's a good guy. I know he's a good guy. And, and I I think. Too many liberals in particular spend a great deal of time trying to figure out what they're offended about. I would say my two best friends, one, one's an incredibly liberal guy. The other one's very conservative. Um, I, have, I have cut off a card game. Uh, well, I, I, I play poker a lot. And there'll be like eight of us at the table. Seven of them vote straight Republican ticket, without question. And and especially in light of what's going on right now, we've kind of agreed, uh, uh, for the most part, you know, let, let's not go down that politics road anymore. Let's, let's just let's just enjoy, you know, and, and we do. But every so often, a guy will say something, I'll say something, we'll debate it, and we move off it, and that's the other Um There is another card game, though, right? I just said, okay, they crossed over so far that I'm done now with them. A couple of guys I just eliminated from my so-called circle. Um, because they were so offensive with their language. Um, some of the emails and the, and this goes back to the social media thing. Um, you know, as if the world cares what they have to say, um, but it did end the opportunity for them to get my money in a card game because I'm not gonna play with them anymore. Right? But I, I would seriously, out of, out of my so-called, if I had a circle of, of, of 20 people that I would consider like friends, legitimate, hey, come to my house anytime you're welcome, you have dinner. i probably 12, 14 of them are, uh, are hardcore Republican, conservative type people. Um, I think of this group that I'm talking about, I think they're all, for the most part, good people. You know, good people who are unfortunately very ill-informed on some topics in, in America today. Um, but but you know we uh, we we had a dinner party a couple months ago three months ago now I guess at least but uh, at the house they're very liberal um, and then Chris and I my wife and I are the liberal and there were four other people who were very very conservative and it was it was a tremendous night I mean it was just a tremendous night we we touched on politics a little bit we touched on a few things here and there. Uh, but for the most part, we talk about what unites us. We talk about what we enjoy. We talk about life. And, and we don't get bogged down and, okay, you know, in November, you're going to vote for a guy I don't like. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the last election, the guy walked out and said, the guy walked out, I'm standing there in line. I was worried, he goes, Hanson, what are you doing here? He said, you're so stupid, you don't know enough about anything to vote. And I said, well, I know this. I'm going to cancel your vote. <laughs> And everybody just howled. I mean, everybody in line just howled, and I said, well, I don't know much, but i know I know I'm gonna cancel your vote and i this guy about swallowed his tongue i mean uh, uh i I'm, I'm all okay don don't throw spitballs at a battleship here everybody got don't, don't don't try to get into a word fight with me I mean it's uh, uh yeah, yeah. But I mean, he comes out, big old cowboy hat, the big old buckle. I mean, you know, this guy he, he should have a big red R just stenciled right into his forehead. You know? and, and then just looked at me and said, "Hanson, what are you doing here?" I said, "You're too stupid to vote." I said, huh? "I may well be, but I know I'm canceling your vote." And, uh, I mean, I mean, everybody laughed. I mean, everybody. Laughed. And, uh, uh, and he kind of just shrunk away, you know, just kind of shrunk away and. Uh, Um, so again, I don't, I I love the debate. Um, as long as people are willing to debate it on a high level with that, that built in respect, that's my favorite time. My wife gets really tired of it. She doesn't, um, she doesn't enjoy it. And I, but I mean, just sitting there like, you know, I I don't want to hear about, you know, their kids are off to college now, or I, I, I'm not interested, you know, how's your dog doing? Oh, I don't care. I got my own dog. Shut up what are you going to talk about after a while? I mean, it's, uh, we, we were, uh, we, we had Bruce, uh, this buddy of mine, Bruce and his wife, and we're out on the patio a couple uh, weeks ago, actually, just the, the four of us sitting out there and, uh, we're going back and forth and Bruce and I were debating all this stuff. And, and, and it started to get a little bit warm around the edges, which a good conversation does in my opinion. And, uh, and Chris was kind of like, well, you know, all right, let's let's talk about something else. I'm like, well, wait, we haven't even got into abortion yet. We got to get into abortion. Yet. <laughs> I mean, what what can go wrong with that conversation, right? No, there's nothing there, you know. And uh, but oh my gosh, it was. Um, I mean, I, I love a a good, but but this liberal buddy of mine, in all seriousness, he 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 gets he gets too heated on the other side. You know, that, uh, which I really kind of hate, you know, that, uh, I mean, he's an unbelievable debater. He's a Harvard graduate. I mean, he's a very, very smart guy. And when we're together in different times and somebody says something that he doesn't, want, and the guy says, well, I don't know. That's just kind of the way I feel about it, right? Kind of that, which to me is the way of like, yeah, let's move on, right? He's like, no, 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 explain yourself, explain yourself. I want to know what, what, I'm like, no, he doesn't want it. And I usually have to jump in and go, hey, hey, let it go. You know, he goes, well, he's wrong. Said, of course he's wrong. I mean, you and I think he's wrong. He doesn't think he's wrong. We're not going to change the world tonight. And it does offend me. And I, and I love this guy. I, mean, I love this guy. But, but he just, he can't let, he can't let the argument go you know, I, I, I tend to just like explain it to me. I, I don't understand how you can possibly believe that. I just see if you can explain it to me. And very seldom can they, of course, or at least to my satisfaction, I should say. Uh, but I love the journey. I love the opportunity to, uh, to try and figure it out. I mean, because I think it's important and then I've used it against him. Um, uh, you know, I'll come back around on another argument. Say, well, wait a minute, you said this, this, well, how about that? He goes, oh, well,
2: vote. you
1: know, that, that's half the fun of it for me, you know. And this is the other thing I figured out doing sports years ago. I, I always say this, which offends some people, I guess. But I mean, if Jesus came back and decided to, to fill in and, and run for president in November, he'd only get 64% of the vote. If that. Right? And, He's the perfect man, isn't he? I mean, isn't he the perfect man, you know? And 30, 36% of the people, and especially among many of those who profess to be Christians, 36% of the people that, nah, I think I want the other guy, you know? So if, if the perfect guy, and even when I say to my religious friends, I said, could Jesus, what would the vote be for Jesus in America today? And, and I said, now I'm telling you, he, especially as he's portrayed and, and or, you know, he shows up in a, in a long sheet uh, looking outfit with sandals on and long hair and a beard. You know, and I, 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 I mean, they, they, they shoot him through the glass. Yeah. I, I'm here to see if you got some extra food and, and uh, I need some of your money and I need some of your food because I want to go give it to the, these people that are homeless down the street. Oh, they grabbed that guy in St. Louis. You grabbed that rifle he had out the other day. He, he'd open fire only to find out that it's Jesus. You just shot Jesus. And it, that to me is the stupidity of a lot of that nonsense, you know, that, which is why I said when I when I was doing the wall, I said, okay, you're, you've got it all figured out. You're the Bible thumper. I'm not. What would Jesus do at the wall? What would he, at the border, rather? What would Jesus do? And oh my gosh, I mean, the, the Christians just went nuts. I'm like, I thought that was a pretty good question. I thought that's what you guys always wear on a bracelet or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to help you out here. I'm trying to help you come to a good conclusion about this argument. I'm gonna help you find the bottom line answer to the argument. What would Jesus do? Oh, they don't wanna hear that. You know, they, boy, they, they couldn't answer that one. They they don't wanna hear that. And, uh, and And it's just, all of that stuff just drives me nuts. But, At the same time, I mean, this guy, I keep talking about my conservative guy, and this is true. He's a roofer, right? Went to Oklahoma years ago when the unemployment rate was like 9% or something. And he said to me, I'm going to walk the talk. I'm going to hire American workers. This is after all the tornadoes, you know, ravaged Oklahoma. He goes up there, he runs ads, and he pays, you know, he pays good, fair salary, you know, good honest uh, work, runs all the ads for like 10 days in all the trade publications, radio stations, whatever.
2: At the end of 10 days, zero applications. Zero. Because the
1: American worker is not crawling up on a hot tarred roof in Oklahoma in the summertime. So he calls his guy and he says, go find me the Mexicans down at the day labor camps and bring them up. Got a bus, made a gazillion dollars. Made a gazillion dollars. And I said to him one time, and of course he wants the wall 40 feet high, and he thinks all Mexicans should be out of the country. All, yeah, every, everybody who doesn't, hasn't gone through the whole process, they should all be deported right now, you know. And I said, Bruce, if, if we deported all the Mexicans, you'd be out of work. You, you, you wouldn't have a business. He goes, I know, I know. But it's the right thing to do. I said, okay, better yet, who's going to mow the grass at the golf course where you play golf? You know, the, the whitest guy in America was a dairy farmer on 60 Minutes when Diamond in Wisconsin. The whitest guy in America. And he goes, I would love to hire American workers, but you can't get them to come in here and scoop manure out of a dairy barn. And I've done that once, by the way, and I'll never, ever do it again. And he said, if we didn't have if we didn't have the Mexican worker, milk would be $25 a gallon. And it's true across the board. I mean, it's a great movie about, you know, a day without Mexicans. And I'm not remotely saying that all Mexicans are gonna have to pick the fruit and mow the grass and whatever. But they are, a lot of them are. And how we as a country could just turn our backs on them when in fact, You know, our economy depends on them. And at the same time, as I also said in the commentary that I wrote a couple of years ago, what if America was was the worst parts of Mexico and Guatemala and Haiti and whatever? And that was America. But we all knew that if we could just get to Canada, there would be jobs, there would be security, there would be safety, there would be... uh, family life would be improved 100%. But once we got there, they turned us away at the border and said, we can't come in. What would we do as Americans? We would swim across Lake Michigan. We would hide out in the forest of Vancouver and sneak our way into Toronto because, by golly, we have a right to a better life. There's not a single American in in this country today that if America was Mexico or Guatemala or Honduras or whatever, who would not illegally cross the border into Canada, especially if the guy at the border said, tell you what, go back, wait about four years, maybe six, and then we'll see if we can get you in. I wouldn't do it, not in a million years. I would sneak in, I would sneak my family in, you know, and the simple fact that the Canadian government said, I'm not welcome, and calls me a felon, no, no. So why, why should we take that attitude to, to the Mexican, to the, to, the, to the Latinos who want to come in here and make a better life for themselves? I mean, it's just, it's so simple. You know, I mean, to me, it, to me, it's incredibly simple. And, and they said to me, "Excuse me, I said oh, you think everybody who wants to come in should?' Said, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yes, that's yeah, I agree."
1: Yeah, I and I, I was starting to encouraging him to go to Idaho and South Dakota for starters. You know, I mean, we we've got land. We've got we you know we don't all have to live in downtown Dallas. You know,
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> we, we've got
1: space. We've got space, and uh, try, try. We all to came
0: from somewhere. Right, like we all came from another country. Why are you, why were your ancestors allowed to come, but mine can't?
1: Yeah, exactly right. Well, you know, I mean, here was Trump railing about chain migration, you know, as to, well, we have to stop this. This is just obscene. And then Melania's parents got into the country, you know how? Chain migration. (laughs) You know, I mean, I mean, really? (laughs) i mean really and she got a pass to the head of the line because she's a model i mean oh we just didn't have any of those in america yeah they take american jobs there's three gals live right down the street from me could be a model i mean you know come on she took an american job by golly. she came in as a model and she denied that little girl in Waxahashi the opportunity to be a model i mean that's just wrong that's just wrong we got to stop that. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's just obscene. I mean, it's just yep. absolutely obscene.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree, Dale. It's, um, it's confusing, right? It's just a lot going on, to be honest.
1: Well, uh, I mean, it goes back to, at the same time, I, I'm not opposed to legal immigration. Of course. But, but nobody wants, nobody wants to talk about that. I mean, it's the same yep. argument that we, we talked about earlier about uh, police reform. Okay, let's sit down. You know and figure out how we do process people to come into the country legally I mean there are probably some people we don't want to commit okay <clears throat> but you can't look a person in the face and say it's gonna be four to five to six years I mean that's 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 not an acceptable answer I mean it's got to be a it's got to be almost like going through an airport I mean come on we It's slow enough going through the airport right now.
2: Yeah. Let's
1: let's figure out a way. Let's sit down and figure out a way. And and then the hypocrisy of it, When Trump made such a big deal out of it. He had all these workers in his golf course and all those illegal workers in his golf course. Oh my God. They all panic. I mean, most of the people I know that rail about it benefit from the illegal worker i'm saying no let's stop the illegal worker part i agree you want to come here you want to work here you want to be a productive citizen come on in come on in and yeah, i knew they go well yeah but there was this one mexican guy and he shot a gal in iowa you know, here's the other thing that, that my my new favorite mantra that i've been preaching why is it and i'm pretty sure i'm preaching to the choir here but why is it that when a, like a Mexican shoots a, a guy in Iowa, it's all the illegal aliens, it's all the, Ill, or the illegal immigrants, it's, it's all the Mexicans, you know. Uh, when a Muslim, 19 Muslims out of what, a billion five or something, 19 Muslims crashed three airplanes on September 11th. So we have to ban all Muslims from coming to America, because we know that those 19, out of a billion five represent the entire Muslim religion. But a white guy in Vegas kills 59 people. He's just a nut with a gun. A white guy kills 20 kids in Sandy Hook. He's just a nut with a gun. A white guy kills a bunch of school kids in Florida. There's another nut with a gun. Timothy McVeigh blows up the federal building in Oklahoma City, and not one person said, not one person said, you know all these 28-year-old guys with short hair that served in the military? we need to get them out of the country. Because these military veterans with short hair, we can't trust them. No, he was just a nut with a grudge. He just had some mistaken cause. So he blows up and kills 250, Men, women, and children. And not one person, I have never, ever heard one person say, you know, white guys in America are dangerous. And yet, what is it, like 99% of the mass shootings in America are white guys? Yeah. You know, Dylan Roof shoots up the church in, in the Carolinas. It's like 98, 99% of the mass shootings. Are white guys? Nobody ever blames the white American for that. I've, I've never heard of anybody, no, anybody you're right.
2: ever. You're right.
1: But when the one Mexican guy, accidentally or supposedly, I don't care, if he shot her in the head. Shot a woman in San Francisco. Well, we got to build a wall. 19 Muslims fly into the Twin Towers and the Pentagon and crash in Pennsylvania. 19 out of a billion, billion five, we invade Iraq. And 15 of them came from Saudi Arabia.
0: Yeah, exactly, Yep.
1: So we spend trillions of dollars. Think about how much did we spend? How much, just the airports alone, just to change the security at the airports because of 19 Muslims, and all the we went to war we lost a couple of thousand young people how many arms and legs we've lost count that we lost yeah the damages the trillions of dollars that we spent trying to fix that problem trillions of dollars now we're we're looking at spending a couple of billion dollars to build a wall to build a wall to keep Mexicans out because Some of them are druggists and rapists and whatever that stupid line was. Very small percentage, very small. But we're going to spend billions of dollars to build a wall. But a bunch of white guys blow up the federal building in Oklahoma Oklahoma City and they kill people randomly with their AK-47s. What do we do about that? Nothing. Because it's eh, just a bunch of crazy white guys.
0: Yeah, he was bullied, right? They always, like, give some, like, excuse, like it's not even his fault. Like, he was bullied. Um, yeah, you're right. I, you're mean, right. I, mean, it, it,
1: I mean, I I would hate, like, hell to go through my life being painted with the brush of everybody who looks like me. You know? I And, again, I think I was, in part, when, when I wrote that Michael Sand commentary. People immediately jumped to the conclusion, well, he's a... 65 year old fat white guy in texas so he must be a redneck homophobic uh bad guy yeah no not if you listen not if you wait before you start smashing your computer screen you know um
0: i think you've helped put dallas on another map in a lot of sense that it shows that texans can think like that because i always hate traveling i used to live in europe as well and I hate traveling and moving around where people just hear America or they the first they here Texas. Oh, yeah. you must be, you know, want the death penalty where, yeah. you know, ride a, ride a fucking horse and and do this and do that <laughs> and, and think conservatively, you know, and you just try to explain to people that Texas isn't all like that. Um, so I think you did a actually phenomenal job by showing America that people can think like that here. And I hate that stigma that, Texans have, you know, in that sense.
1: Oh, I, 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 I do too, and I, and, and it's across the board. i mean you. I'm with you. I, I, when I traveled to Europe, and oh, the one time we were in Europe, and, and I actually, I, I, I'd even forgotten about it, and I had this little necklace. I was wearing a little gold chain. I had a, a, yeah. a state of Texas on a little gold. It wasn't gold. I mean, you know, and, uh, and I, we're on this uh, uh, restaurant or and the woman goes, "Oh, oh, you're you're from Texas." I thought. Oh great. And what I I said something I said, No, I am, but I said, how do you know that? She goes, Well, you got the gold necklace hanging said, Oh yeah, well there is that.
0: <laughs> that yeah, gave it away. That.
1: But it is. It's it's I mean I always tell people that, you know, we, we now Fort Worth likes to show off as being a lot of you know, the they they got the the, the stockyards and they have sure. their cattle drive. And you see, I mean you do see some cowboy hats and, and a yeah. lot of cowboy boots in, in Fort Worth. I mean yeah, um, but not in Dallas, for goodness' sake! No, so it, no. Uh, yeah, I mean it, that it was that whole JR back in the early '80s that showed Dallas. Oh, sure, yeah, and yeah. That whole image of, you know, but but yeah, I, but I do. I was pleasantly surprised, and I I certainly found out over the last oh eight nine years or so that there's a great number of people who think like us. I mean, they don't they don't all live in Austin. I mean, sure. you know, most of them do, I think. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. I but know.
1: They don't all live in Austin. And um, and now I think it's starting to change. I mean, I, I think there's, I think Texas, see, this is the funny thing about it. When I first came to Dallas, there, there'd never been a Republican governor. You know, it was always Democrat. The state yeah. was Democrat. Lyndon Johnson and Lloyd Benson were, you know, the senators. And, uh, and then about, what, 84, 86, somewhere there, it starts switching, you know, went a hardcore Republican It's never come back. But I, I think it started. to, I, I think in part, maybe because of all the Californians who have been moving here. Uh, and they're bringing, not only are they bringing, Toyota bringing their jobs to Texas, but they're bringing their politics to Texas.
0: Yeah, yeah. Their ideals, uh, their morals, right? Yeah, you're yeah. right. You know, their you families, right? They're yeah. inclusive families.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. I mean, you see a little bit of the Silicon Valley uh, aspect of coming to Austin and the like. Sure.
2: And,
1: uh, yeah. You know, so, I mean, there is some of that. I, I still think there's also, I, I just think there is a, we are this, in Texas anyway, we are, are the silent majority. You know? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: I, I was like, this is what I do find funny, is it? and I've told, I've told this before, is that I'm old enough to remember that when someone would would call you a conservative you you it's kind of embarrassing it was that was the put down <laughs> that, that you were this um, pro vietnam war guy uh, you were this nixon guy and people said, ah you're just some republican conservative and it's like oh gee whiz i you know and, and they didn't want to admit to that now it's flipped and I, I'm in this card game that I was talking about. One of these guys got mad at me about something. He jumped up and said, oh, you're just a stupid liberal. And I'm like, oh, my, I, I'm, I'm so hurt by that. And everybody starts <laughs> laughing. You know, yeah, yeah, Well, you're conservative, and and then, you know.
2: And,
1: and yet in his mind, and in the minds of a lot of people, uh, and I have to admit, I almost kind of shied away from it for a while, back in the 90s, that, that – not just because of the job, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think a news anchor should be getting into their politics much, but, uh, but even, even with my friends, you know, people didn't know that I was quite as liberal and far left or whatever you want to call it as I am. And I kind of shied away from it in in many ways, but let's just let that sit there for a bit. You know, I don't need to bring that up. Now I do wear it like a badge of honor. Um, and and some people still try, you know, to act like it's the put down, but uh, I don't have it in front of me. But I, I the best put down of all, and I, I actually did it at a, a, a Kiwanis Club luncheon, by the way. Not exactly in downtown Dallas, um, not exactly a hotbed of, of left thinking, uh, uh, democratic principles in play. Yeah. And I, talk about being a liberal, and then I, I quoted uh, John Kennedy again, and, and John Kennedy talking about, well, if you mean the definition of liberal means, and then he, have you heard this before? And, no. And he, no, it, it's, it's fabulous. And he just, he's. said, well, I, I do care about the homeless. I care about the underprivileged. Uh, I, I don't want people to be left, you know, and it just goes on and on and on and on. And I think people should have health care, and I think people should be, you know, and, and it's all the, the basic goodness, of, of, in my opinion, obviously, uh, of being a liberal. And I spread it to the room and I'm staring at them and and, they all, and I said, now my only question is, why aren't all of you liberals?
0: And then all of a sudden a groundswell
1: of applause started coming up. And I, I saw the face of a few people like, ah, that's just stupid. But a lot of people A, there were some liberals in there, but but when you read that John Kennedy quote about what it means to be a liberal, and I've done it at several banquets over the years lately, and I always end it with, yeah, I am a liberal. My only question is, why aren't you? Because my true definition of being a liberal simply means, Caring about the people who aren't as lucky as me—that's that's the that's the dime store version of what being a liberal means. Is it? I think it's I think it's more liberal to not care about what goes on in somebody else's bedroom than it is from the position of the so-called conservative who cares a great deal. Yeah, you know, as I said in a commentary one time, it, it's always amazing to me. The the conservatives are the ones who want government off our backs and out of our lives, but they absolutely want it in our bedrooms. You know, I, I don't care if two guys, two girls, you know, I, 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 what, what do I care? It, 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 now, as I've also said to my friends, you know, you get two guys mugging down next to me at a restaurant, I've got problems. Just like I've got a problem if a guy and a girl start mugging down at a restaurant next to me. I go to a nice restaurant. I don't want to see you and your girl mugging up against the wall. You know, yeah. no, But if it's two girls mugging down, okay, I can. I, I might <laughs> bring you know, I might have to think about no, that. <laughs> there's, there's just certain. It's like illegal drugs. You know, I mean, I, I don't do them. I, I, I don't. But what do I care? I mean, you want, you want to go. That to me is a very conservative position that I don't want the government in somebody else's life. Yeah.
2: That's a good point.
1: We have laws. We have laws. You can't drive stone. You know? Yeah. Okay. You do that. We got big problems. You know, you you behave abnormally in public because of that. Okay. But you know, I don't lock people up because they, because they snort cocaine. You know, I not in my world. We don't. Um, I, I don't, I mean Matthew McConaughey sits down there and he, he's from what I know he's like he's stoned all the time. I kind of enjoy his movies, you know. Well, we gotta lock him up? No, of course not. What do I care? I mean, and yet I, I so so the so-called liberal opinion is really rooted in conservatism.
0: Well, that's interesting.
1: That I just want people you know, I don't care that people don't believe in in religion. The way I do. What do I care? Unless it impacts my life, you know, I don't, Colin Kaepernick kneels for the national anthem. What do I care? What what did that possibly do to me? If he believes that's the best way to protest, which is the best thing about America, is the right to protest, what do I care? That, to me, strikes me as being a very conservative position. But it's it's the liberals who want government out of our lives. It's the liberals who want people to just live free. And yet the conservatives somehow keep hanging on to that. I'm like, you know, somebody doesn't look like, you know, it, it, like in the black um, the discrimination, which this is what I figured out a long time ago. I find it so incredibly funny that white Americans spend six months out of the year discriminating against people of color based on only the color of their skin. And they spend the next six months of the year lying in the sun trying to match it. (laughs) They lay out there in the backyard. They lather up with some lotions and they try to get as dark as they possibly can. In April, May, June, July, August, and September, they want to be as dark as they can, And then they go the next six months of the year saying, "Well, I know everything about that person based on the color of their skin." We had a woman in my hometown in Logan, Iowa, went down to the Gulf of Mexico on a vacation trip and was turned down because they thought she was black, this was back in the '60s. And everybody in my hometown thought that was as funny as could be. And she thought it was funny. Because she had to jump through hoops to prove to them that she was actually white. Because she was just baked black from laying in the sun. Wow. And I was too young to realize it, but I didn't understand how that happens to people. You know? And then as and I got just, just a little bit older, not a lot, but just a little bit older. I went, Wait a minute, that hotel denied her the right to spend money at their hotel simply because of the color of her skin. That's all they knew about her. That's all they knew. And since she was so dark, they thought she was black, they wouldn't let her stay there. And then her husband gets involved and they had to call back and they had to go to prove that she's actually a white person. Oh, well, okay, if you're actually white, now you can I mean, and, and it happens to this day. My granddaughter has been discriminated against so many times until people realize she's my granddaughter. Well, then everything changes. Sure. It's absolutely ridiculous, you know? And, and that's why I, I just find it funny, though, that when you start breaking down what it means to be a liberal, so many times you find that it really aligns with what people say it means to be a conservative. But you know, I don't care if you go to church or I don't care if you go to church five days a week. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I don't care who you sleep with at night, doesn't matter to me. I don't care if you take a knee to protest police brutality, if that's what you want to do. Doesn't matter to me. What was it? Somebody just wrote wrote that recently of um, how much they love the American flag. I think it was one of our Supreme Court justices, if I'm not mistaken. But it was like, I mean, I I respect the flag. I served in the military. I'm not gung-ho about it, but uh, but I think one of the greatest things about America is that you have the you have the right to burn the flag. I think that's an incredible right. I, I, I would never do it. I would hate to think that anybody I know would do it. Um, but when I see somebody doing it, it just reminds me of what a great country I live in. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. If that offends some people, so be it. But try burning the flag in North Korea.
0: Yeah, exactly. The flag in yeah.
1: Russia. Try burning the flag in Pakistan. Try burning the flag in Iran. Yeah. All the countries, and this is what I find funny, all the countries that have incredibly strict laws against burning the flag, are countries that I just choose not to live in. Right? Yep. And all the conservatives who think we need those laws you want to align with that China Russia North Korea Iran Pakistan oh yeah yeah Let, let's let's follow their their system that works so well for those people you
0: know so fun. it doesn't at all right yeah no. look Dale um I'm sorry I've got a uh, I've got another interview at four o'clock um, so <laughs> I just, I could talk to you for hours. I listen to you, really. Um, my gosh, I, I just don't even want it to stop. Um, but I, I have to go um, here. I, I, yeah, I got another uh, with an actor that's on. Um, you watch that show Yellowstone with Kevin Costner? Oh, yeah. I love yeah, that show. He, he's on that show. Uh, his name's Cody. Yeah. He plays Cody on the show.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. Wow.
0: I don't well, know. You're, um, yeah, you're moving up a little bit then. You're moving up here
1: then. So I, <laughs> no, I love that show. It's a great show. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to him about the new season and, um, horseback riding. And I don't even know what else, um, Kevin Costner, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so, but, uh, Dale, I've, I can't tell you how much, um, again, this has been a dream for me and an honor and, uh, an absolute pre- pleasure to, um, you know, to just listen to you and converse with you. I, I just can't tell you what, what, uh, you know, an honor it was for me.
1: Well, it was my pleasure, Patrick. Uh, anytime, uh, As my wife says, when she's, well, you're doing a Zoom about what? It's like, I guess they just want to talk about what I've been doing. Well, you are your favorite topic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Your wife knows you, like my wife knows me. Yes, yes, I'm afraid she does. (laughs)
1: Anytime, Patrick, it's been great. Thanks.
0: All right. I really hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. If you have any questions for me, please feel free to email the podcast at Patrick at Texas, real And don't forget, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, all the different places you can get podcasts. You'll, you'll find us on there or you can just go to our website, go to the lone star and you can check us out on YouTube. If you want to watch it, you know, we video these, not you know, on a little webcam here and go to the Texas real food YouTube channel. And you can find it there. Make sure to follow uh, Texas Real Food as well on Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe, um, and if you you know are so inclined, please leave us a review anywhere you can. You know, follow us on Spotify or leave a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, that would really help us out. Thanks again for listening. Really do appreciate it. Um, without you guys, we won't, you know what's the point of doing this? So, if you have any suggestions on how we can make the show better, please let us know. Thanks again. Be safe out there. Wash your hands.